Hi, welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is a podcast of Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a midweek refresh uh, for our spiritual lives. Uh, We get together and discuss uh, a theme off off of the Sunday sermon. Pastor David writes our devotional for the day, and we read through that, and we discuss the questions and listen to each other's stories. I am happy to welcome a mother-daughter duo. (laughs) Um, It is my privilege to know both of these lovely women. Um, To my immediate left is Joan Pei, and she and I have connected deeply on so many issues um, and have spent time uh, together and supporting each other and listening to each other. And she, um, she is a wonderful, uh, faithful woman of God. Um, Joan, would you like to introduce yourself and maybe um, tell us a little bit of how you're related to the church? Sure. Thank you, Anne, and thank you, Desert Spring, for having us today. This is truly um, a meaningful moment, if there ever was one. I came to Las Vegas, Nevada, over 15 years ago, knowing, as my daughter Sarah had encouraged me, that um, it was really about faith, and there was no backing out or turning back. It was the church that created that bridge for us here And while I didn't discover Desert Spring immediately, I am so grateful that it is my home church now. It doesn't matter where I live. We've since moved out of the neighborhood, but it is still home to me and a beautiful place to grow and be nurtured by God's word. Yeah, thank you very much. And to Joan's left is her lovely daughter, Sarah. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your relationship with Desert Spring? Sure. My name is Sarah. Um, I am Joan's daughter, of course, and I've been attending worship services at Desert Springs since 2017 um, when I moved back to Las Vegas from my little stint in Texas. And so I have been attending for about, well, it's going to be four years, and I have recently taken on the position of co-youth director for the youth ministries. Yes, and, and um, it's been my pleasure to get to know you pretty well, and and uh, it you're just an inspiration to me and my family. Um, if if you don't know Sarah, she is a poet, and it was my pleasure um, not last Christmas I think, but the Christmas before to commission a poem from Sarah for my daughter. And um, that poem is framed, and it's in hanging on um, the uh, the wall of the hallway right by the staircase where everyone can see it and read it. And I don't know if I told you, but when Victoria opened that, she was in tears and when she read it. So it holds a treasured place in our homes and in our hearts. Mm. So thank you for that. Thank you for telling me that, Anne. That's very special, and I'm so glad that Victoria liked it. It was her her favorite gift that year, so (laughs) thank you. Um, So the first thing I'm going to do is read Pastor David's devotional for today, September 15th, and then we will stop along the way and gather stories and reflect a little bit. Um, When you hear the word I, I am not speaking of 
about myself, but I'm reading Pastor David's words. Um, So today's scripture is Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Amen. Mm -hmm. Last Sunday, I began my sermon series, Revival. In the sermon, I talked about the Wesleyan spirit that led to revival. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion? Without all doubt, we may. This was a revolutionary idea during a very polarized time. This phrase captures a bit of the culture of Desert Spring. At Desert Spring, we often say, loving each other is more important than agreeing with each other. While this statement is true, it is not always easy to live out, especially in times like this. Yet as Christians, it is our calling to do so, and loving others, even people who are different from us, can be quite transforming. When I was in seminary, I met a man named Bill. Bill was very conservative theologically and focused on personal holiness in ministry. I was very liberal theologically and focused on social holiness in ministry. We were different in more ways than this. In fact, we were different in every way. People who knew us would never have guessed that we would become great friends. But somehow, that happened. We became the best of friends, and our friendship changed us. Our theologies were influenced by each other as I become more interested in personal holiness while Bill becomes more interested in social holiness. We both grew in faith and both broadened our understanding of the Christian life simply by being friends. Sarah, have you had a friend whose differences impacted your life in transforming ways? And how has your life changed because of this relationship? Absolutely. I think there have been several people over the course of my life that have served as inspiring friends or maybe a spiritual sparring partner, as mom and I sometimes use that term to talk about someone who's very different than us, but that sharpens us or sharpens our faith. Um, But you know what? I think the most relevant um, dear friend that I have that is new and supportive in both of these ways um, is Hillary, the co-director that I get to work with for the youth ministries. We're very, very different, but we're open to learning what the other is an expert in. Um, So for example, she's got the games. She's got the programming and that's awesome. Something that I really struggle with getting ideas for. So she's teaching me how to build that up. Um, And then vice versa, there's some things that I have more experience in, maybe the curriculum. And so I'm sharing that information with her. And we're building each other up in that way. That's great. That's a great story. And because you're both so new, it is a a journey that you're just beginning, um, learning each other and each other's strengths. And and I know that you both have already blessed 
bless the church and bless our staff um, already. Very good to hear. <laughs> well, I love working with Hillary. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. She's a, she's a team player. Yes, mm. for sure. So great. Yeah, Joan, have you had a friend whose differences impacted your life in transforming ways? I can think of many, especially in work environments. But the one that came to mind that is the most enduring and obvious is my husband, Dennis. We've been married 33 years. Those that know us will agree that we are absolutely opposite. We have different energy levels. We have very different um, hobbies, tastes, interests, except for when it comes to butter, which he <laughs> lathers on everything he makes. So we ag definitely agree on butter and onions is the secret sauce. Uh, he is, though, a person who brings the calm and the peace into what I can do to create chaos. And I am aware of that, and I see how we've had times where we've been separate. When I moved to Vegas and he was still in, in Oregon with our daughters, um, keeping things going for the season that they were finishing school, and we were apart, and it was just not right. We, we really understood how much we rely on those differences um, and, and hold one another up. It's, it's not something we even approach with words. Even our faith is something that we have different language for. But I am coming to understand that Christ is in all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, here at Desert Spring, we intentionally invite diversity into the congregation, um, knowing that diversity is a strength. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, and knowing that uh, we each bring different gifts to the table and different conversations and and different viewpoints, and knowing that we can love as a church and love each other and respect each other um, beyond yeah. um, our commonalities. So it is. It is like a marriage. I mean, you you know, a work relationship is like a marriage, and you have to keep saying yes to changing my heart because rarely almost almost never does god jump in and change the circumstances right away <laughs> that that's right and stay and i've humble. prayed and i've tried but no 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 it's changing my heart absolutely and staying right. humble and open um to those yeah. and um yeah yeah I, I i absolutely agree and we have to be aware, especially in these days of um, social media, mm -hmm. that we are not in um, an echo chamber, that we yeah. hear other voices yeah. and other opinions, yeah. and that, um, you know, steel sharpens steel. So, yeah. so it's important to, to respect yeah. each other's differences and, yeah. and be strengthened by those. Yeah. Pastor David goes on. During the sermon, I also spoke about the fire that almost took John Wesley's life. It was 1709, and John was five years old. The thatched roof of the house was on fire, and John was trapped inside an upstairs room. Neighbors made a human pyramid and plucked John out of the window just as the burning roof was caving into the house. John barely escaped with his life. His mother, holding her rescued son, quoted today's scripture, saying to her son, 
You are a brand plucked from the burning. She believed God had saved John for an important purpose. In today's scripture, Zechariah's vision encouraged a high priest named Joshua after Israel had returned from cap captivity in Babylon. You may remember that Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Like a home destroyed by fire, Jerusalem was destroyed. Wesley survived the fire, and Joshua was alive to return to Jerusalem. So, Joan, have you ever had the experience of being plucked from the burning? <laughs> have you had the experience of God rescuing you from a situation or experience or struggle or negative influence, whether internal or external? Mm, constantly. There is one time that stands out the most of being plucked from a situation where God did move the circumstances. It would be in my early 20s. After a lot of loss, my mom and dad had passed away. I'd moved to California with no job. And let's just say I was, I was, you know, orphaned, alone, and testing the boundaries, even though I knew my dad was watching me. And I was riding on the coattails of his faith. I go to church to cry, but I didn't have a faith of my own. And I think reckless was a good word for that time. And there were people and influences in my life that had I kept on that trail, we would not be sitting here today. But by God's grace, um, now I get to be with you good people, as Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio would say in the Titanic. Here we are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hopefully we have a different fate yes, than the Titanic. Yes, yes, No, let's just stay on the dancing happy part. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, Sarah, have you ever been plucked from the burning? Sure. So my experience um, that comes to mind is when I had moved to Texas. Earlier I mentioned that I was in Texas for a short time. And it was, on the outside, a great idea. I was moving to start a school with a friend who believed we could do that. Um, but inside I was really lonely. I didn't have friends or family in Texas or a community to call my own. And so, not unlike my mother, I was in a reckless season, right? Um, but I think for me, the plucking and the person who did the plucking may have been my parents, right? Saying, you can still come home. And I did not want to hear that. I wanted to be a cool girl and, you know, still do this school idea with my friends in Texas. But after some thought, they were really right. And, you know, this idea that you can always come home mm. was resonant for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So feeling like Texas was somewhat of a fire season mm -hmm. and then having rest and recharge and change here in Las Vegas upon return was was a real safeguard. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice to have mom and dad as your uh, as your net. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hope that I can be that for my own kids. Um, I, I personally have a plucked from the burning experience that happened to me um, when I was maybe 14 or so. I went to, um, I believe it was a David Bowie concert <clears throat> with a girlfriend at the time, and we wanted to get very close to the stage. But so did thousands, <clears throat> pardon me, thousands of other people. And it got so crowded that my feet were no longer 
on touching the floor. Wow. And I had to cross my arms in front of me and push against the person in front of me in order for my lungs to have enough room to expand. Wow. So I was, um, I was panicked. Um, and I knew that if, if the crowd started to fall, that I would go with them and possibly be trampled. I was having trouble breathing. And so I prayed, and I was not a regular prayer at the time, mm-hmm. um, but I just prayed that um, to, for God to get me out of this situation. Mm-hmm. I knew I was in terrible danger. And <clears throat> along come, came a man. I don't know where he came from or why he walked next to me. I believe his girlfriend was having the same trouble that I was, and he was backing his way through the crowd using his elbows to, to punch people out of his way. Wow. And there was my opportunity. Wow. So he, while he was doing this and his girlfriend was walking immediately behind him, I kind of fell in step um, behind her and got got out yeah. that way. Yeah. But I knew, I mean, it sounds like a, you know, maybe a situation that God was not in, that it just was a coincidence or something. But I knew because I had just prayed. I had just prayed. Yeah. And then here came this Mm -hmm. man Mm -hmm. getting his girlfriend out of the way. And Mm -hmm. so. Parted the waters. (laughs) Yes. That's a, that's a good analogy. I I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Pastor David says it was the summer of 1990 when God rescued me from a fear that burned inside of me. In 1991, God rescued me from a church that was causing me to question my calling. I have many such experiences. Mm. Wesley's experience influenced his life. The experience was so informative that at age 51, after falling deathly ill, Wesley wrote his own epitaph. Here lieth the body of John Wesley, a brand plucked from the burning. Thinking about your own epitaph, is there a phrase you could write that captures something God has done for you? Pastor David might write something like, here lies David Devereux, to whom God said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So Sarah, this is um. This is a little bit of an uncomfortable <laughs> question. At least it was for me. Um, so is, do you have an idea what your epitaph might be? Sure. Well, it's funny because in creative writing courses, we talk about writing our six-word story. And I think um, Julie Hart has shared, you know, a few of these examples with me before at camp, you know, just kind of tossing around not really poems, but six-word stories. And the one that I always come up with that would fit on um, – what is it, an epi- not an epigraph, an epitaph, um, would be we can glow in the dark. And just this idea that Jesus hung out with mm. sinners. And even in our seasons of recklessness mm-hmm. or fire, mm-hmm. um, there is still God's love is there as well, right? We can glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finding those light paths or what have you to make our mm-hmm. way out of the dark is part of, you know, the glowing, I suppose. But I think that's what I would say. We can glow in the dark. I wow. love that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And people can remember what a billboard says, right? I mean, you do. people do read billboards. Too many words we don't always remember, but six words, perfect. Yeah. 
Awesome. So Joan, did so have I need you give any quick thoughts? editing to mine? <laughs> I know <did>. now. <laughs> but really, is Anne, you were telling your story about that constricted feeling of being just really in a just this human compression zone, and then God opening up this spacious path, or at least enough for you to get through, and also the the words that Sarah has shared through poetry and and the word of God who has over and over again given us truth to hold on to so we can glow in the dark. One phrase that comes to mind is I think about the many millions of moments God has delivered me and my family is he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me, which is repeated actually. No wonder I run into it in the Bible so, so many times because it's there at least four times in the Old Testament. Um, Psalm 18, 19 for sure. But if it were six words, in a spacious place, in a spacious place, <laughs> by God's grace. Okay, seven. Okay, seven, yeah. yeah. In a spacious place, by God's grace. Which is a better number anyway. <laughs> yeah, right? A little more biblical than six. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, um, mine is seven words. Um, uh, here lies Anne Hardy, who is saved and loved by God. So, yes. Mm -hmm. I hope. I know. You know. I know. We I know. know. It's I know. all true. Saved my life, right? I had a plucked from the burning experience. Yes. Okay, so Wesley recovered and lived another 37 years. But clearly, his experience shaped his understanding of who he was, as well as his understanding of his life purpose. How has your experience of God's grace and mercy influenced your self-understanding? Joan. Mm. Today I am, and many days, just in awe that God let me be a mom. And um, I grew up in New Mexico. They're, the language for a comadre is comadre. And if it were not for the army of comadre angels that I carry in my heart, um, we would not be here. I mean, I have relied on that army of angels to fill the gaps, to come along with the right words, to pay attention when I was distracted, um, I didn't hold a baby till I had one at age 33 or 34. So I was terrified. And so I think of all those millions of ways that my comadres have loved us into being. Wow. Yeah, that's great. And that was, that was God's grace and mercy bringing those uh, women yeah. who walked alongside you during a time of, of mm -hmm. you know, fear, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. A time of fear, a time oh. when we had great loss um, in our family, yeah. when Dennis was going through his eye surgeries and they came along and fed us. And I mean, I, the stories go on. Mm -hmm. But it is the reliance on the, the sister and brotherhood um, of how God knits us together as a family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? So what came to mind for me is kind of the common experience that we have as fear is the common experience we have as humans as fear. So 
and God's grace kind of covering that. And let me, let me be more specific. So in youth group the other day, one of the questions Hillary posed was, you know, what do we here in this room have in common with people overseas fighting in wars? Um, and one of the responses was fear. And mom, when you said that you were terrified holding a brand new baby, right? This fear, and that's a very common human thing. Um, and so for me, I'm kind of an anxious gal. It may not appear that way because I kind of have my dad's demeanor very calm, mm -hmm. but I have a lot of anxiety. So I'm thinking about the um, paths that are shown to me as ways out of that fearful place. And they really are led by example. Um, when we went on the Zion retreat, um, Hillary was taking her kids up this water slide and it was amazing. And I was like, I don't want to do the water slide <laughs> and I'm 31 years old, you know, and there, here's these, you know, four-year-old people doing the water slide and having a blast. And I was like, okay, you know, by example, and that's an instance of God's grace. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can overcome my fear, um, yes. and, and be brave and, and step into a more fulfilling life, you know, right. just as a small example, but does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so God's grace and mercy again, like your mother, right, has been shown to you through God's people, yes, and God's example mm -hmm. um, in your life, and that's that's amazing. And when I thought about this, um, I, I thought of a very different direction. Um, I just thought that you know the world can diminish us as people mm -hmm. and trample on our self-esteem and um, we lose sight of who we are as, as precious uh, children of God. And so um, God's grace and mercy extended to the point of thinking that we are so precious mm -hmm. that he sent his son to die for us so that we could be together. Amen. Um, so, whether you know you're precious or not, mm. or you are getting a lot of messages mm. from the world, because the world will tell you that you are small and insignificant, and that's not truth. Right. The truth is that you're precious, and you're so precious yeah. that Jesus died for you. Yeah. Um, so um, Pastor David says, after being rescued from fear, I made a promise to God that I would never turn down an opportunity to preach. And after God rescued me from questioning my calling, God opened the door for me to go to a church that taught me how to be a pastor. Both experiences of grace changed my life. These kinds of transformations lead us to gratitude. Amen. Um, Sarah, what experiences have made you grateful for your life wow great question that's <laughs> great. a great question yes great question um sometimes I say I love being a person and it's not because I make mistakes and flounder about and which I do but it's because God fills in the gaps and makes it fun and makes it an adventure um but I'm trying to think of a specific experience there's just there are too many to count and yeah you know I it's don't hard know to if pick I could one out could just pick one yeah um yeah well maybe we could ask joan and then if, some, <laughs> if something pops in your head you can okay. just jump back in Does that sounds sound like okay? a plan okay sarah and i and um uh, 
others in our tribe of um, sisters, really these comadres, have completed a study called in a book called 40 Days to a Joy-Filled Life. And in that book, Tommy Newberry uses the phrase, millions of blessings, hundreds of problems, right? So um, there's so many answers to this question. What experiences have made you grateful? If it weren't for those moments of being pressed and, and struggling and the dark shadows and believing the lies, right? I, I'm taken back to even that opening piece of scripture, um, Satan standing at his right side to accuse him, right? How much we need the truth. So for me, every day, I am getting up early so I can just saturate in that truth to counter all the, the noise and chaos of this world so that we can glow in the dark. Yeah, so the experience of having time in the morning mm -hmm. to focus on your priorities and God and yourself and, you know, how grateful are we for those times in our yeah. lives? When Everything the light touches. Is that from a movie too? <laughs> from the Lion King. <laughs> Says the one who doesn't watch TV. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What experiences have made you grateful for your life? That's, it's it's a large question, and I could just go on and on. You like you, Sarah. You know, my husband, my kids, my home, my church, my job. There's so very much that I have to be grateful for. Um, the people in my life and the food on my table and the mm -hmm. hot water coming out of my bathroom stall. And mm -hmm. I just, it's so much that um, for me, my response is to come to church. And yeah. and that's um, yeah. for, so that I can give back a portion, you know, a fraction of, you know, what I get. And, um, and it's really a, a time of, you know, sacrificing, you know, I, I, my time and, and, um, you know, my, my, I give a little bit of money. And so we, we are happy to give that. And, and so, yeah, I've, I'm grateful for so much. It's, it, it's just picking out one or two things is very, very difficult. Well, and one, one other thought, and you touched on the word humility, which also was in Pastor David's lesson this Sunday. And that is such a lifelong process to me. Uh, but it takes that humility to recognize those areas where you just need to deeply say, thank you, it's not me. It's not me. Yeah, glory to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's really not me. It was not me that that mothered this beautiful <laughs> child and her sister. But into it was. Being. But it was. <laughs> well, I was there. <laughs> the Along for the ride. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I understand. Me. I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I get that. Well, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said something along the lines of humility is not not thinking of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less often. Yes. So it's not thinking less of yourself. There you go. It's thinking of yourself there less you often. There you go. There yep. you go. You Thank nailed you. it. Yeah. Great. <laughs> great definition. Um, 
But, you know, as you both spoke, I had a little more time to think about this question, what experiences have made you grateful for your life? Well, if we're all being honest, we, I mean, mental health is real, right? Mental illness is also real. And so there have been times where I've struggled with depression and I have not been grateful for my life. So this question packs a whole lot more punch when I get to experience the opposite and I get to experience gratitude for my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that the opportunities where I get to either mentor or share words of encouragement with younger people make me grateful for my life because those are the moments when that's what I would have needed when I was 15 or 16, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that... Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. Absolutely. And thank you for being so candid. Sure. Um, because there are so very many um, struggling with their mental health and it's so challenging mm-hmm. um, and it's, it can be so dark mm-hmm. while you're going through it yeah. that you're not grateful for life and you're kind of searching. Right. So um, I appreciate you sharing that that there's purpose at yes. the end. Um yes. Of that, of that tunnel that you might be in, that, right. that you can share those experiences. Um, at our prayer session this last Wednesday, um, I was asked to pray for the mental health of our young people, mm-hmm. and they need positive mm-hmm. examples um, of people who have come out the other end and can say, you got to hang in there and, mm-hmm. and share a little bit yes. with them. So yes. I'm grateful. And- Thank you. And those opportunities where, you know, if it's Hillary or myself, we get to share, you know, the coming through of a tunnel are the most fulfilling, right? So that just deepens our gratitude. I can speak for myself, deepens my gratitude for life. Um, So thank you. You're living examples of hope. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and the other, the other end, the other side. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Pastor David says, God bless you, and I will see you in church. So um, that was uh, that was wonderful. I'm so grateful mm. uh, for both Joan and Sarah Pay for Thank joining you, us tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, this afternoon. Um, if you'd like to reach out and leave us a comment, um, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, um, you know, website, You can find us all over the place. Mm -hmm. And we uh, want to close with a short prayer, please. Mm -hmm. Heavenly God, thank you for all those who are listening to the words of my voice right now. Please reach into their worlds. Please reach into their lives and into their hearts and tell them of your love for them. Thank you for Joan and Sarah who have so graciously come to share parts of their stories with us and keep us all safe till we can meet again amen 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 thank you thank Thank you you. Bye. bye bye everybody